0: everyone, I'm Emily Lavender and this is the Forever Marriage Podcast. Forever Marriage at Lakewood exists to strengthen families by helping couples discover God's design for marriage. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Forever Marriage Podcast. This is season two and we are talking about sex in marriage, six keys to better biblical sex in marriage. So we've done the first episode where we primarily talked about sex being in the context of marriage. God gave it a boundary, and it is within the context of covenant marriage. So if you missed that episode, go back and check it out. It's super helpful. Um, yeah, so it's on, on our website, and you can check that out. Today, we're going to be talking about the biblical purpose of sex. So, Scott and Dawn, what is the purpose of sex?
1: Great question. <laughs> so... If if we asked, obviously we can't hear from our listeners right now, what would y'all guess the average person would say? What is the purpose of sex?
2: Crickets. I miss nobody. <laughs> <laughs> You mean the average person? Yeah.
1: Within the church, outside the church, just in general, in our society as we know it right now, what would you think the average person would say is the purpose of sex?
2: I would say probably for fun, entertainment. For fun, entertainment.
0: Having kids. Average. Having
2: Having
1: kids, kids. yeah. So fun, entertainment, just give you something to do if you're bored. Um, Having kids, Yeah. Anything else?
2: I don't know that. I don't know that the average person has given it much thought beyond that. Do mm-hmm. you?
1: Yeah, I think that is a, a key piece. Is that most people? You know, we we find when we're working with couples in our um, in our office, it's it's often there just hasn't really been
0: a lot of thought, a given lot to of it. thought
1: given to it mm-hmm. on the emotional level, the relational level, the mental. The spiritual level. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so really, that's what we're going to do in this episode, gang, is just kind of lay down what we believe. And this is not an an exhaustive list. You could probably come up with some others. But as we have just reflected on Scripture, as we've looked at what we've understood about God's design, as we lay down in episode one, these are what we would consider the, some of the five purposes of of marriage. So, hon, why don't you take us through the first purpose?
2: I don't think I, it really just—I mean, to me, just probably the no brainer of it. Just what Emily said—you know, procreation. Just mm-hmm. the—you know—the purpose of it is to have children, and so, of course, in the garden, and then in that design, you know, it was the instruction given to Adam and Eve to be fruitful and to be and to multiply, and he meant that you know, in, in the very literal physical sense of having babies of filling the earth with humanity. And so, you know, we, we know that that falls into the realm of, of covenant marriage is the, um, is to have children. So, um, but you know, we, we also know that, you know, this is challenged. Of course, we're going to talk about that later Mm -hmm. in terms of the fall, but you know, we do still have, uh, options of adoption because, it doesn't always happen that we yeah. get to have children. So, but we can adopt and we can also be life giving to the generations behind us. And so procreation in terms of l- really, uh, of not just raising godly children, but influencing children and in, as godly parents, even if they might not be our own, um, is a part of this picture as well. So procreation for sure.
1: Yeah. And when you think about it, if you just break that word down, it's as if God is saying, I am. Pro creation. I am for creation. This is what you were created for is to be creators, mm-hmm. blessed by me to create others. And as you said, we deal with folks infertility. Golly, uh, that is that is a painful issue for couples. I mean, mm-hmm. uh I will say, hun, I I would put infertility in my estimation, up there uh in terms of pain in marriage sure. with, with it's very tough. It's it's up there. Mm-hmm. It's one of the toughest issues. So um, uh, but God is for creation. He wants it. And and so as as we talked about in last episode, just in case you've not heard it, uh Genesis one twenty eight says, God bless them, God blessed Adam and Eve and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply fill the earth and subdue it rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over every living thing that moves on the earth we're created by God to be creators
2: yeah to be you know to bring out bring more little image bearers right. into the world you know uh, that um, that reflect him and um, you know as they come to know him to serve him. So this is part of our part of our part of the gift of sex and marriage is that it's the seed that starts that process. That's right, literally. Yeah, <laughs> great one.
1: So that's the first one is procreation. When we're talking about five purposes of sex, the first one is procreation. The second one, and this is very important to me, is is partnership. And let me flesh this out. We talked about this also in episode one uh where Moses said in Genesis two twenty four and twenty-five, for this reason a man shall leave his father and his mother, and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man is and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. This this whole sense, we we talk about it through the lens of covenant marriage, this becoming one, not uh just through convenience, not through contract, but through covenant. This covenant literally means one, and we become one flesh, not just in the physical sense of sexuality, but we become one flesh in all aspects, spirit, soul, and body. Marital sex requires a joining together, obviously, and upon joining together, a man... And a woman creates soul ties. In the last episode, uh, near the end, I, I shared an experience for me from from college where I was se- sexual outside of marriage. And Dawn and I are firm believers that those type encounters, what some may even experience as one night stands, there are soul ties. And Paul addresses this in First Corinthians six about not just not just Being sexual with any and everybody because there are soul ties that are connected to that. We connect with others sexually, body, soul, and spirit. And so that's why we're really laying down this whole idea of the partnership being in the context of the marital bed. Hebrews 13.4 talks about this whole idea of the marital bed being undefiled, us not going outside the confines of the marital bed. But ladies, I want to talk to you for a moment about this whole idea of partnership. Uh, Cause what I find for men in general, myself included is that men will often feel most closely connected to you after a sexual encounter with you. It is, it is that one, one body connection to you where he is often going to feel for most men, most open, most vulnerable, most relatable to you. Um, and that's not to be manipulated. That's not to be, uh, I would say don't, don't overlook it either, though. Understand that that is, that is one area that he feels most closely to you. Sometimes, I, I know for some ladies, it, it can be frustrating. They want to know their man's heart. What is he thinking? What is he feeling? What is he processing? And I find for most men, candidly, uh, they're most aware, most self-aware of themselves after this one soul connection with you. So expressed appropriately as God designed it, there is no shame in marital sexuality.
0: Now, I just want to add yeah. something to that. As y'all are talking, Um, I'm reading this book called Union with Christ. And it's very theological and heady, and most yeah. of it's over my head. But just thinking about how we are united with Christ. Yeah. We're one with Him. It's not just that we have fellowship with Him. We can talk to Him. When, like We are one with Him. And as I'm reading the book, I can't help but think about marriage and how God's given us this picture of intimacy like that's just a picture and and sex in marriage is as close as it gets you know Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. united to your spouse um and that's just a picture of our union with christ and so um anyway it's a great book challenging but yeah
2: yeah and we're gonna we're gonna talk about this a little bit more in, in in later in in how we how we actually do picture that um for sure, this idea of, of partnership is much deeper than just like a partnership to run a three-legged race. You know what I mean? It's just, you know, this is, this is, uh, um, this is that, uh, deepest, that ongoing establishment of the bonding process between husband and a wife and we talked about this in the last episode how our bodies respond physiologically creating that bonding experience but over the course of you know of time um and this to be enjoyed for the lifetime you know that if you think about how how often it happens sexually between a husband and a wife and for the lifetime of the relationship how much bonding takes place over that period of time where it is difficult to know one person without the other. You know, we've known some couples who've been married for a really, really long time. It's hard to even think of one without the other. There's just almost there's such a oneness that's evident to the world out there to them. So there's this ongoing life um Experience of married sex that creates not only a oneness that we, that we know, but that the world knows as well, can see.
1: So we see that two purposes so far are procreation. The second one is partnership. The third one, as we see it, and we've already talked about this, we used it through the language of fun, but it is to be pleasurable. Solomon puts it this way in Proverbs 5, 18 and 19. Some people will read this and they're like, is this the Bible I'm reading? But it, it's, he says it this way. Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth, a lovely deer, a graceful doe. Catch this. Let her breast fill you at all times with delight. Be intoxicated always in her love. And so it is intended. Sex is intended by God, to be pleasurable for us all. And I want you to understand this. Sexual intimacy is designed for both of your enjoyment. God did not design sex for only the husband to enjoy and the wife to endure. And this is where we're going to be addressing along the way in these episodes. What are our thoughts about this? what What is our thinking? Uh, We, we, it's not been uncommon. It's not, well, I'll say it this way. We, we have dealt with couples through the years where out of good intentions, a a young bride was taught through her family, possibly even through the church to say no to sex, you know, um, true love waits. Okay. Of which is a good, good program But here's what happens. When we get these repeated uh, messages to say no, to say no, to say no, and we do so for 18, 19, 20-some-odd years, it's not uncommon that Dawn might have a conversation with a young bride that she has had a hard time making that switch mentally to be able to even say yes, even though it's in the context now of a loving God honoring marital relationship, there's still this element of guilt, uh, maybe shame, uh, uh, maybe almost embarrassment to fully give herself to her husband out of pleasure because she just, the messages are still there, no, no, no. Now, as of the wedding day, it's go, 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 and she can't find herself. There, So I do want to encourage you, if that's you, uh, be willing to ask the Lord, hey, Father, help me change, change my thinking here. Help me to align, as we're talking about in this first key, help me to align my thinking with what you say is true. I love what Derek Kidner says in his commentary here on Proverbs. Um as I I just read for you from Proverbs 5, verse 18 and 19. He says, It is highly important to see sexual delight in marriage as God-given. Let me just say to you guys, sexual delight is not Hollywood-given. It's not cultural-given. It's not even given by your mom and dad. It's given to us by God. And there's a framework, there's a boundary, as Dawn said in episode one, by which we're to function within. He says, it is highly important to see sexual delight in marriage as God-given. And history confirms that when marriage is viewed chiefly as a business arrangement, not only is God's bounty misunderstood, but catch this, human passion seeks other outlets. And so I just want to encourage us, both male and female, that God has given each of us, the husband to the wife, the wife to the husband, to bring pleasure in a God-honoring way to one another.
2: You know, I'm sitting here. I, what caught my attention was reading some of these this verse in Proverbs and of um, be intoxicated. We've been We've had some discussion on sober mindedness, yes, which I'm we right. will be talking about yeah, this later do. on in terms of up. of some of the things that we're going to be talking about later on in the episodes. But where does the Bible encourage us to be intoxicated? <laughs> right here. That's right. Oh, boy. You know what I'm saying? It's like and that, I'm looking up what that word means. It just it means to be ravished, to be mm-hmm. to real as if intoxicated, you know, to be enraptured. And I'm like, OK, God. Kudos to you. Thank you. Because this could have just been a simple mechanical, this is how you make children. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Thing. But he says, no, I'm going to encourage you, husband and wife, to be enraptured, to be intoxicated, to experience a reeling in this moment in time together. And I just feel like, okay, that's really, that is really important and encouraging to understand. God designed it for not just we had a good time, but okay, we want to do, you know, this was, this was, can you believe that just happened? You know what I mean? It should be that level, not all the time, and we know it's not going to be like that no, all the time. Yeah.
1: But you can see in that, hun, just how there has to be a drastic shift in our thinking to even get to that. And I'm talking of people within the church to even think. Yes, that. but,
2: but the world has painted the picture of, It of the experience of that of intoxicated of the the feeling of intoxication when you're enraptured in one another's arms. That happens most of the time outside of marriage. That's right. That's that is what the world has told us Mm -hmm. of that is that it that, you know, that goes away. Yeah. But that's not the case necessarily.
1: Yeah. Which really leads us to the fourth one Mm -hmm. Um, and the fourth one is is one that you've done a lot of work on i mean you did a lot of work personally on this right
2: yes because i think i had i really just in my own history my own sexual history uh had was outside the boundaries a, a good deal and so you know i my formations about it were not good and so even after you and i were married and over a period of time it was just more of a duty to me. And basically that's kind of all you get in terms of teaching from, you know, from the church is this is, you know, this is the responsibility of the wife. And, and really I had a fundamental belief that inside of me of, well, this is more for Scott than it is for me. That's really what I believed. And you know, we had young children at the time. I still just had broken ideas about all of it. Um, but after you know, after Scott and I, and then we'd been married probably for 15 years, and relationally we were doing great, uh, where we had had some real troubles. We were doing really well, and I was very thankful for all of that. And just in my prayer time with Lord, this was one area of our marriage where I was struggling still. And so in my prayer time, I was like, okay, Lord, I'm gonna get real with you about this. Um, this is what I know the Bible says about it, about sex. And this is what I would say in Sunday school, but my reality is down here. My ex- my real life experience doesn't anywhere near match up to that, and so I'm tired of that. And so I'm just going to ask you to help me to teach me about it. I want for Scott and me everything that you designed for it to be in our married married relationship. I want it to be my real life experience. I don't just want to talk about it or think that I don't or just. I want it to be our experience. And I know that that was a prayer for God's, in God's will. And so he, that began a journey for me to be able to listen to him and to learn from him what really is married sex and what is it to be like. So I really started to write very specific prayers about our sex life, which may sound weird to some of you, but trust me, it's, it, this is what keeps, <laughs> This is what keeps us in bondage to the outside of the boundary life. And we'll get into Yeah, those we're going to get into all in that. Yep, that's right. But um we were in a small group in a community group and we were studying uh something totally different. We sure weren't talking about sex. But we were studying Romans and we came to chapter 12 verses 1 and 2 which says, "Therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, present your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to uh, to God, which is your spiritual" act of worship do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what the will of God is that which is good acceptable and perfect and I was at home reading through preparing for my for our group time or whatever and I felt like the Lord said here it here it is here here's your first lesson on it that sexual intimacy when when rightly understood it, from a scriptural perspective it is an act of worship. Sex is an act of worship. I heard those words very, very clearly from the Holy Spirit, that it is an act of worship. If, you know, when when we are, that God is pleased, that he is glorified, that he, he is blessed when his creation is functioning in the way that he blessed it to function when he said it was good and when he breathed it into a covenant marriage and when we are together it is glorifying to him he's blessed by it. he's not turning his holy head going you know what oh god Get i wish over. i wish they would hurry up and finish watch. that i'm not sure why they enjoy that you know it's just that kind of it, no he's blessed he's glorified it's this it is an act of worship what we offer our bodies to is an act of worship and so i will say to you that even outside of the boundary it's an act of worship, but the Bible calls that idolatry. Is yeah. when we worship another person, another God. We worship ourselves. Um, so outside of the boundary, it's still worship, but it's idolatry. Inside of the boundary, when we are honoring God, it can still be in the boundary and worshiping self. We have to be. Uh, we have to allow the Holy Spirit to continually check it. But when I think of it as an act of worship, I'm going to approach it even differently. You think. Okay. I see you. I see that hand. Go ahead, Emily. Go, you go.
0: <laughs> no, no. I don't, I don't know if someone advised us to do this when we first got married or if this was just my husband's great leadership, but he suggested that we pray together before. And I remember at first I'm like, this is weird. He, he even thought it was kind of weird, but we just kind of pushed through that and it kind of helped, you know, change our thinking on it. And, and the Lord certainly blessed us in that way. So just as a practical step for you couples if you're struggling in this thinking that it's praise you know that it's an act of worship yeah to pray and i will say i don't think
2: and i'm going to tell you something i don't think i don't think that prayer before sex is unusual in fact i think it's really common because i would pray god just help me get through this Mm -hmm. let me get it over with and scott would pray scott would pray please let her want to let her do this tonight you know, yeah. so I'm just going to tell you, I don't think, I don't think oh, prayer listen, has been absent sex a long time.
1: Rolton, Lord, please help this last longer than I okay. think it's going to last.
2: <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> that might be too much for Emily and, and everybody else out there. That's yeah. right. But I feel like God taught me to pray rightly right. about it and helps us to talk. Look, prayer is just talking to him. Yeah. And so. We talk to him about everything else, you know, why not? Why aren't we talking to him about this and and asking him for what he wants for us, not just in the moment of desperation of whatever. So, you know, I do feel like now I do pray Scott does too, you know, but we are praying differently of, you know, of we're praying help it to be a ministry to my partner, uh, help me to push down my needs to focus on his needs yeah my
1: prayer is always and and we haven't in in the marital bed prayed like you and benji and i think it's a great idea but typically there's hardly an encounter whether i say it verbally or just pray it mentally the prayer is something like this lord i want this encounter with dawn to be first and foremost to be glorifying to you Secondly, I want it to be edifying to both of us. Mm -hmm. I want it to glorify you and I want it to build Dawn up. I want it to build me up. I want, I want us both to be encouraged, uh, inspired by this, by this encounter.
2: And this is going to be strange to you if you don't understand that sex is an act of worship. That's right. And so as you are, as you think about, well, how do I approach it? How do I approach worship? You know, if you think about how you approach a Sunday morning worship, you know, you come there with your, with your best, you know, in, in the old Testament, you know, uh, there is always a sacrifice involved in worship. Um, and so even that sort of began to transform my thinking about it a little bit. And it's like, if it's an act of worship, God, how do, how do I personally need to approach this time together? So it is a it is a praise to the father, but most important in this context, we want you to understand and begin to think of that it is an act of worship
1: yeah and i I don't want to you've said it, but I just want to make sure people hear i I think it's safe to say, and y'all correct me if you think different, I think it is safe to say that sex is always an act of worship it's always um. Because in the early days, I can recall my thinking was largely, I want what I want when I want it, no questions asked. I want to be sexual with you when I want to be sexual with you. Don't question me. I never said that to Dawn, but that was my heart and my mind, which was largely, as Dawn said earlier, was I was worshiping me. I was worshiping at the at the altar of Scott, of what Scott wants, which is idolatry. And so just be thinking. We want to encourage you to think, what is your thought life as you approach sexual intimacy with one another? Who are you worshiping? So we've talked about procreation. We've talked about partnership. We've talked about pleasure. And we just talked about praise. The fifth and final purpose, as we see it, of, of sex is what M alluded to earlier we, and we call it a picture Paul says it this way in Ephesians 5 31-32 for this reason a man shall leave his father and his mother and shall be joined to his wife and the two shall become one flesh you can see where Paul is repeating what Moses had written in Genesis two twenty four and 25 but then he adds this last phrase He says, this mystery is great, but I am speaking with reference to Christ and the church. And Emily alluded to this earlier in the episode is intimacy between a husband and wife really is intended to be a picture to us and to the world of Christ and the church. If I if we go back and read Ephesians 5, I am to be to dawn as Christ is to the church. I am to lead her in a servant leadership way, um loving her, giving of myself sacrificially as Christ did for the church. That is how I I, I am to to lead her. And I believe honestly guys, That is how I am to approach sexual intimacy with her, is to give of myself sacrificially. And we'll talk about that later uh, in in further episodes, where at times sexual intimacy in marriage requires us denying ourselves what we want in order to give to our spouse what they may want and need at that time. So sexual intimacy between a man and a woman in marriage is designed to be a picture of the union of Christ and his bride, the church. Our lifelong fidelity to one another can be a gracious display of the good news of the gospel of Jesus. Only in Christ can unconditional acceptance, love, and respect be granted between a husband and a wife. And as Emily has already alluded to, the ability to do so is an affirmation of our union in Christ. When I'm able to give of myself sacrificially to Dawn, she to me, it is a display of the gospel of Jesus Christ alive and active in both of our lives. So that's the purpose of biblical sex. And we'll come back in episode three because now we're kind of setting up some conversations between the two of you that and we're going to come back in episode three and kind of lay down the foundation of how to have what we call safe conversations five keys to safe relational conversations
0: awesome thank you guys so much if you're listening and this was helpful to you and encouraging i would just encourage you to go to itunes and subscribe to the show um, you'll be notified whenever we publish a new episode. And also, while you're there, if it was encouraging to you, just take some time to rate, to rate our show um, and give us a helpful review. So thank you for listening today, and we'll be back with another episode of the Forever Marriage Podcast.